hello. It is 4.23 on a Friday. Um, that's not normal for us. But you know what is normal for us, Michael? What's normal? You being back on the show. Is that normal? I, I mean, nowadays it is. You son of a bitch. Um, well, we, uh, this, this was our second attempt. Actually, this was our third attempt at loading up this podcast. We, uh, we tried to go live. It didn't really work. Then we tried to go live again. It didn't really work. Um, now we're here. Joe, you're bad at this. Uh, I am definitely not good at it, but you know, that's the way that it goes. Um, that's the way that it goes. So we were going to do a show yesterday. Some work things came up for me. Uh, we are thankfully at the tail end of the Rangers bye week. It ends tomorrow on Saturday when the Rangers take on the New York Islanders. Um, Mike, you've been away for a while. What are, uh, give me three things that you just think <clears throat> as the Rangers go into this, as the Rangers kind of come out of this bye week, actually. Just three general thoughts. The first three thoughts you have on the Rangers. Oh, God. I think the big one for everyone, or at least it should be, is what the hell's going on with Buchnevich. Um That is, I mean, it's great that we get to see Vinny Lettieri. Uh, it's not good that we get to see him at the expense of Booch. That's one thought. The second thought is why... Why is Brendan Smith the healthy scratch again? And I should make this clear. He hasn't been great. Uh, that's very obvious. But you don't scratch a guy like Mark Stahl for all these years because of his contract. You give Brendan Smith this big contract, and all of a sudden he's, you know, he, it's okay to scratch him. It's okay to kind of publicly shame him and bring in a career AHL defenseman. And the third thought, Joe, that I have, I don't know if you're here yet, but I think this is a team that will maybe crawl its way into the playoffs and then they'll be out in the first round. That's where I am right now. I don't, I don't even know if I'm, well, let's do this. Here are my three thoughts. Um, thought number one. You're bad at podcasts. Yeah, sure. That's thought number half. Um, Thought number one kind of encompasses your first two thoughts, which is what does Vigneault need to do outside of like murdering a player in cold blood on the bench during a game where everybody can see and there's 20,000 witnesses to get his ass on the hot seat? Because it certainly doesn't seem like anybody gives a crap about all this nonsense that he's doing. Um, thought number two is the Rangers need to be sellers in a month and some change when the uh, trade deadline comes around. And thought number three is if the Rangers are going to try to do a rebuild, whether it's a full out blow it up, which I don't think they should do, um, or uh, sort of rebuild on the fly, which I think is possible and I think they should do, then Vigneault can't be your coach. You, you, need, to, you need to put a new message um, behind the bench because you, you're looking at what we're going to say this is the third core that the Rangers have gone through. Um, 
Mm. And you have the same coach behind the bench for all three of them, and you've gotten the same results from all three of them. So those are my three Rangers thoughts. Um, Oh, and here's a fourth bonus thought. If you have a child and you you just decide that you're going to have a baby, go have a baby because you can put the baby on you during Ranger games and then you can't get angry. The baby will force you to go to sleep before you watch the Rangers lose in Las Vegas. Um, it's good. It's got many like relaxation benefits that come at least in, in Rangers land. So, yeah. Are those um, the real reasons to have a child though? I, I think they may be the only reasons to have a child. Why else do you have a kid? If not to help your sports fandom in some way or another. Um, I like that though. I like those, I like that, those three thoughts, because I think, I think you and I are in the same place. I think Rangers fans in general, for the most part, and I think we're going to get into that a little bit too, but they're in the same place. Something has to give. And I've made this point a thousand times. I've written some very emotionally charged articles the past week or so. But the reality of the situation is if you're going to defend Vigneault at this point, and shockingly, he has a, a horde of defenders. Um, wouldn't you want to defend a coach who's doing something that's working? I mean, if the Rangers were in first place and they were just cruising through teams, um, I'd still be annoyed at the fact that Buchnevich isn't playing. But it's a much different argument than when a team hasn't won a regulation game in nearly a month. Or a game in regulation, I should say. In nearly a month. So, yeah, I don't, I mean, where are you at with Vigneault right now? I feel like he's the only thing we're talking about on this podcast these days. But, my God, if he doesn't make himself the story, he he always makes himself the story. Yeah, he kind of, it feels like he kind of goes out of his way to to make himself a story with decisions. Like he listens to us just to do the, uh, I don't know if you saw this cause you were away. I literally, literally word for literally. word, word for word gave why, what he was going to say about sitting Buchnevich. The proof is in the pudding and the pudding is on Twitter. Li- the right thing to do. It was literally what he said. Now, granted, he said that before. It's not like I'm some type of a friggin' psychic, but I mean, it, when I can easily guess that Buchnevich is sitting and that that's going to be his response to him sitting, I'm just a blogger. I'm not, like, what am I? It's easier for NHL teams to figure these things out. But go ahead. I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to just jump yeah, around. Yeah, Vino is tricky I, because we, we often say, like, he, he vexes us and mystifies us, confuses us. But then we also, you know, often kind of level things out by saying, but, you know, he, he's won a lot of games. He's not a bad coach. And, and if, if you just think of, you know, coaching, it's tricky because coaching is one of those things where we, we hear this all the time with, um, you know, you have to play the game to know the game. It's a common criticism writers face and members of the media face. Um, particularly when you evaluate or criticize the play of players. But I feel like coaching is even trickier because a coach can be considered or regarded as a good coach, even if his team sucks. And, you know, it's just one of those, yeah, you know, the Red Wings sucked, but Mike Babcock is still Mike Babcock. And, 
you know, it's this, uh, a coach has all this, all the factors and ways you measure a coach. The vast majority of them are intangibles and you can only look at like the end result and kind of discern that, yeah, this is good strategizing. This is good coaching. I mean, I'm off on my own tangent here, but it kind of loops back to this whole, you know, what the hell is Vino doing and why does it seem like he's going out of his way to make things harder than they have to be? And I, I've never coached hockey at any level. Um, and I only played hockey very casually up until, you know, in like a roller hockey league into my teenage years. I was not, you know, I, I'm one of those people who I love to read about. Um, the finer points of strategy and, you know, look at play diagrams and stuff like that. Cause a lot of that stuff is stuff that I'm still learning, but again, there's some stuff where it's just why it, you don't need to be a coach to look at the talent of Buchnevich and understand that he's, he's just better in every way than Paul Carey. This is not hard. It's really not hard to recognize that. It's also not hard to recognize that, you know, yeah, Camphor is is what he is. Again, Stephen Camphor is a perfectly acceptable and in many ways almost ideal veteran defenseman for the AHL. But he hasn't been there all season because he's been in New York out of training camp. Do you remember when we were talking about it? Why is Camphor still here after training camp? And he, he's still been here the whole time. It's absolutely like bonkers. It doesn't make any sense. Where I am with Vino to answer your, your original question, now that I've rambled all over the map, is I have reached the point where I no longer am willing to let Vino's decisions get me angry or upset or confuse me. I'm just accepting the fact that, you know, he's doing his own thing. He believes what he's doing, what he is doing is right. And, you know, I don't think he, he has any problems in the Rangers front office of I'm going to go ahead and sit Buchnevich. I don't think he gets a finger wagged at him and he's told not to do it. I think that this is Vino's team because there's not, there's been no evidence to suggest that it's otherwise. Where the hell are you with Vino right now? Cause clearly I'm just kind of, you know, ambivalent. I've given up. Well, one of the things that you said, um, that I think is maybe the most important thing is obviously, and I've, I've made this point too, obviously Gordon is either okay with what's going on or isn't perturbed enough to involve himself. Because while I fully agree that general managers don't and shouldn't get involved with day-to-day coaching decisions, I do think that it is ultimately a general manager's job to intervene when the situation requires. And I would think that the Buchnevich situation, really him playing on the fourth line, um, maybe that could be excused, but the healthy scratches for no reason. And I mean, if there is something going on behind the scenes, I feel like we would know by now, even with the state of, of the beat reporters and, you know, Larry Brooks kind of being the only guy that is going against the grain. Um, you would think that a story like that would come out. If he's dogging it in practice, if he's hurt, um, I think that would be a little bit of a different story. But if he's dogging it in practice, if there's some sort of behind the scenes issue, 
you would think we would know about it. Um, I can't imagine it's condition-based. I mean, he's played far more games than VC has in his pre-NHL career. And neither of them, I don't see either of them really hitting a wall. VC hit the wall last year and Vigneault kind of rammed him through it. I, I mean, I, I think it's clear, I should say, I am fully on the fire Vigneault train. I am even to the point where I don't even, I don't even want to kind of preface my conversations about Vigneault with, oh, he's a good coach, but maybe not the right coach, because I'm not convinced he's a good coach anymore. I think a lot of the success stories that we've seen from Renault have been the result of Lundqvist, Luongo, and Corey Schneider um, being in their prime and and sort of backstopping these flawed teams to incredible heights. And you can never overstate just how impactful a quality elite goaltender is for a team. You just, there's, there's no way to overstate how a Roberto Luongo or a Corey Schneider or a generational goalie like Henrik Lundqvist will change the trajectory of the wins and losses in the regular season. And a great goalie you know, my sweeps first... a lot of stuff under the rug. They oh, really absolutely. Do. And the worst part about it is Lundqvist, I think, has taken a significant amount of crap that should be heaped onto Vigneault. It should be heaped onto the coaching staff. It should be heaped onto the systems. The flaws of the Rangers are, are what happens is the defense is terrible for years, and Henrik Lundqvist masks that. And then when Henrik Lundqvist is average, the world ends, and everybody blames Lundqvist because, well, this is the same defense as last year, so what's the difference? Well, the difference is he's not putting on these Herculean efforts every single I mean, Hank has been fantastic this year. He's 35. This is not going to last forever. We may have another year or two of elite Hank. We may have this year of elite Hank. This may be the end of it. I don't know. But the Rangers have wasted a lot of opportunities to turn this team into what they should be, which is younger and way more competitive because of Henrik Lundqvist. Henrik Lundqvist has masked a lot of these problems, and he has saved more, more jobs than I even know I mean, you you could make an argument that Girardi got a, a $30 million contract because of Henrik Lundqvist, that Vigneault got his extension because of Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, we are talking about a guy who is just that good. But when I see a 22-year-old who's third on the team in points, despite the fact that he's playing half his games on the fourth line, he spent just as much time with Paul Carey as he has with Matt Zuccarello or Rick Nash. Um, yeah, that's the that's the end for me. And again, we've been down this road before. Uh, we're getting a lot of crap because we keep talking about it. But when we allowed these things to happen, because and we just ignored it uh, back in 2016, even last year a little bit, where it was, you know what, this is just what AV is going to do. We're not going to get angry about it. Um, Buchnevich or Hayes is sitting for glass in a playoff game. So you, you can't take your foot off the pedal. And, and just before I let you jump in, Mike, because I'm just saying too many words, um, the entire reason why the frustration for me kind of boils over is because we are doing the same thing. We're seeing the same thing over and over and over again. And even with that said, 
the same people who were whining and crying that the Rangers got knocked out of the playoffs by the Ottawa Senators last year. They're the same people who are dragging Buchnevich through the mud in defense of Vigneault. And I never thought we would get to that point, ever. I really thought this was going to be the point where people finally jumped over the fence. And that is mm. just not the case. You know, it's I have a really hard time understanding people who are... I understand... You know, thinking that Buchnevich is not as great as, you know, some of his most like fanatic supporters might think he is. But I have a really hard time understanding people who are frustrated with him or consider him expendable or think that he shouldn't be on the team. And I don't think it's a significant like proportion of the fan base, but it is certainly a vocal aspect of the fan base where. I don't know if this is just that weird thing in nature where there's so much Buchnevich love on Twitter and, you know, among fans we see on social media, but then like some, there has to be a balance. You know what I mean? There has to be a, there has to be a a darkness that rises to compete with it. But I, he does everything really well in the offensive zone. Is he great defensively? Nope. Uh, is Jimmy VC great but defensively? You know what? Nope. I'm, I'm How many players are great defensively? Go ahead and stop it, me. I don't care. I don't need – is he great defensively? What I cannot live with is, oh, he's not good in his own end. That's why. Because there's no evidence to support that Buchnevich is that much of a detriment in his own zone that he deserves to sit. In every no, there really isn't. statistical yeah. category – He's a better defensive player than VC, say, or Carey or Nieves. He's one of the best possession drivers on the team. So I don't want to hear if he was that yeah, bad, we would know. His expected I, goal differential, the scoring chance differential, the possession, it yeah, would be yeah. bad. And it's not. So I don't want to hear the crap. I think the biggest yeah, the biggest strike against him, I think, just in terms of optics and, and watching him play, is he's not physical. But a lot of the reason he's not physical is because when the when he's on the ice, the Rangers have the puck a whole lot. And also, you don't need to be physical to be good. It's you know, it's not every player is Adam Graves and Mark Messier. Not you know, not every player has that edge to their game or you know plays that kind of hard nosed style. He's a, 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 an exceptionally skilled player. Why aren't people impatient with Zabinijad? Zabinijad doesn't throw hits at all. He doesn't play that style. You know, does he stand out as like an exceptional defensive forward? No. But we don't hear a lot of criticism of Zabinijad for whatever reason. But Buchnevich for, you know, is it the Russian thing? Is it because he's younger? Is You know, who knows what it is. But I I just don't, I don't get it. I, I I look at him and I understand that I'm one of those people who has a bias towards analytics and a bias towards young skilled players who I feel like have a huge ceiling in terms of their potential. But what Vigneault and some, some fans who, you know, are, are very pro Vigneault and, you know, what they see in Buchnevich that I don't see, I really don't understand because I don't think he hurts the team. 
even if he's hit some sort of wall, which again, like you said earlier, I don't think that's the case here. This isn't an issue of stamina or endurance. Is he hurting this team? No. An average game from Buchnevich is still very solid. He's still a very, very valuable top six forward. And the fact that we've heard, you know, it's mostly just among bloggers and stuff, but people, you know, suggesting and, you know, there's conjecture about whether or not he'd be available at the deadline. It's maddening. It's Buchnevich should be viewed as this, you know, this prospect who we should be very careful with. Uh, We should not ruffle his feathers. We should be patient with, with his development. And above all else, we cannot afford to trade him. That's, that's what the, you know, the kind of in-house scouting report should be in the Rangers front office. But thus far we've seen, you know, he, he gets jerked around the lineup uh, is recently a healthy scratch when the team is already without Chris Kreider. How the hell Bujnevich is a, is a healthy scratch when you don't have Chris Kreider. That's the sort of decision we're at now with Vigneault, and that's why I've become kind of ambivalent. Like, I no longer really know what to believe. I understand why you are where you are, where you just think he's a bad coach, and I appreciate that because there is there is definitely an angle to he's really had the benefit of some great teams and some truly elite goaltenders to cover him up. Before we were setting up the show, I was looking at the numbers, Joe. Since December 27th, Henrik Lundqvist has a record of 2-1-1. One, and one. He's played four games. The Rangers have been really crappy in that time. Uh, in that time, the Rangers are, as a team, 3-2-1. and one. So they have seven points in six games. Do you know what Hank's save percentage is in the last six games for the Rangers in his four starts? Oh, God, it's got to be nine. Let me take a guess. All right, fine. Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. No, no, no. I want to hear your guess. I want to hear your guess. I'm going to say 936. 943, Joe. Well, I wasn't actually that far off. You are not, but even your, like, you know, maybe an optimistic guess. I don't know what you're thinking, but 943 in four games, folks. And what what have we seen? We've seen the Rangers waste it. Absolutely yeah, but not even- waste it. Not even that. He had to be that good to get an overtime win over Buffalo. Oh, God. A shootout win over Arizona. A loss to Detroit. And, well, actually, I don't even know if it – well, yeah, it would be a loss to Detroit and then a loss to um, Vegas. We're not talking about – I mean, we're not not talking about good teams there. Outside of Vegas – um, you're talking about relatively mediocre to terrible teams, and the Rangers. Arizona is the worst team in the West. Buffalo is the worst team in the East. Yeah, and, and when the Rangers did play a quality opponent in Chicago, they got laced up. I mean, they, they laced oh my up. god, they made not Chicago even a, look amazing. Not even a game, they got laced up. So I, I just have trouble, and, and we can get into this point too. I believe the Rangers need to be sellers at the deadline. I'm not saying trade everything, but I'm saying Grabner, Nash, and Holden need to be out of the lineup. Trade them. Get them out of there. If you want to make a backdoor deal with Nash that you can come back to him over the summer, fine. Send him to a contender. 
The Rangers are thinking about giving Grabner a four-year deal. Grabner wants, I think Brooks was saying, maybe four years, $14 million wouldn't be enough. I don't need it. Nope, no thank you. Because historically, Grabner's been an up-and-down scorer. I think he works really well in the system. I have learned my lesson from assuming that he's not going to be able to keep up this level of scoring. But I'm just not – the other team's going to be able to bid more money. I don't want to get into it. It, it doesn't help anybody. The players, the quality that you can get back in futures for a guy like Radner right now, and even a guy like Rick Nash, who I think if you could absolutely, if you're a team who thinks you're a contender and you need a little secondary scoring, a guy who's good in his own zone and somebody who's a leader, Rick Nash is your guy. I think the Rangers could walk away with significant future assets for Grabner and Nash. You have to do it. And I don't think the Rangers would be all that less competitive, um, depending on what they get back. I mean, sure, you are losing a lot of scoring, but the Rangers aren't cup contenders anyway. But l- let me ask you this, Michael. Not by a long shot. Not by a long shot are they a cup contender. I, I would argue that while the Rangers are not cup contenders, the East isn't really that great this year. Um, and the Metro yeah, it's kind of Tampa it, and then everyone else. Yeah, the Metro specifically is sort of – it, it's, you know, I don't want to call it necessarily a, a, a cluster clock. It's a killing but, ground of like B minus C plus teams. Yeah, That's exactly. B minus C plus teams that are beating the shit out of each other. And, you know, you could make an argument that the Rangers could control the East if Lundqvist got hot. And maybe they could control the Metro as is. But I'm not mm. willing to do another year of this. Oh, hopefully something works out. And tell me if you disagree. I might have been. I would have resisted a lot more before this Kreider situation. Oh, yeah, the Kreider situation. Well, that's. Go finish your point. Yeah. Yeah. Chris Kreider having just a big question mark in bold font in terms of whether or not he can even return. And it looks doubtful. And that is a huge factor at play here. And there's also this issue of, you know, like you pointed out, Grabner, he's 30 years old, 1.65 million. Someone's going to pay him a lot more. He's a UFA at the end of the year. DeArnay, 1 million. He's 31 years old. He've kind of proved with the Rangers that he's still an NHL level player, bottom six guy. You can, you can get something for him. Rick Nash does have that modified no trade clause, but again, if that is a guy who I think a really competitive team would love to have a Rick Nash, like you said, and Nick Holden, I know that you know we we catch a lot of flack for at least I do about my opinions on Nick Holden, and I will say this: if if the team is selling, Nick Holden should be right at the top of the list of guys they should be selling because he can play the right side. Uh, He's 30 and he's a UFA at the end of the year and he's 1.65 million on the cap. He's an easy guy to move. He was to me, he was an easy guy to move out of training camp, but little did I know that, you know, he would, he would have like five times the leash that the organization has shown to Brendan Smith. And I'm not saying that, Holden hasn't deserved it because in many ways he has, but uh, it's really goofy. I don't, I would not hate if the Rangers turned into sellers. 
do, however, have a hard time believing it will happen. And I know you're tweeting, uh, you know, what Uncle Bob said, and I know that uh, I think Adam disagreed. Um, you know, you were, I think you were suggesting it might, might be hard for this organization in particular to embrace that idea of, you know, I know what we've done the past 15 years, but folks, this year we're selling. It's kind of hard to buy into that. It really is. But this team has needed another center since the Derek Stepan trade. And they just lost the top six winger for the foreseeable future. And the Metro, as we've pointed out, is a mess. Can the Rangers make the playoffs? Absolutely. I think they can still make the playoffs if they sell. Because Vigneault might get like some of his own shortcomings, like, taken off the table. He might have no choice but to play guys like Buchnevich in a bigger role, especially if you move someone like a Grabner or a Nash. But yeah, it's not it's it's a really interesting crossroads because there is this this impending feeling, Joe, that at some point the team will have to rebuild and the core does have to change. And steps were already made this season to make that happen. What I don't think anyone was counting on was Lundqvist being this damn good. And that's the real shame of all of this, is that he has been freaking outstanding this season. He's an all-star, although that doesn't mean, you know, anything anymore. But he is, he could be a legitimate Vesna contender. That's how good he's been when he was supposed to be you know, I can you even remember all the stories we had to read last year about, oh, you know, he's regressing, he's old, he's not good enough. And, you know, at the beginning of this season, oh, Lundqvist isn't playing very well. And, you know, this is what happens. Maybe that danger already did do something to help Lundqvist and the Rangers. And now we look at this team and, you know, where the hell would this team be without Lundqvist? It's unbelievable. Do you think it's they'll just, sell, though? Well, that's my question to you. Do you think that Gorton and company will say the right thing to do here is we're going to sell? Did I tell you that you could ask me questions on this goddamn podcast? I don't care what you told me. I, I didn't you. tell you that you could ask me questions. I asked the you questions around here. You started this podcast three times. It's true. It's, that's a very fair point. All right, so I will rectify your overstep by saying... Overstep? I will... I will ask my own question, which is, do I think the oh, Rangers I will sell? You, I had pie recently for the first time. What do you mean for the first time? I've never really, I've tried pie here and there as a younger man, but now as an, an older learned man, I had and pie very. What, what did you have? I had uh, apple pie. Okay, you know what? I don't even have time for what you've just said. I need to process that. Um, we're gonna we're gonna take a caller though. Pie. I don't want nine three seven. You are on the air. Talk- I, I apologize. We we're having some issues because we did the show on off a cold open, so I'm having some trouble with this. So you might get dropped, but you're on the air for right now. Who is this? Nine seven three area code. You're asking. I am. Yep. Okay, I thought you said 937. I was like, that that's wrong. But that's okay, Joe. It's Daniel Feuerstein. How are you doing, man? I'm good, my friend Daniel. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. You know, um, you know, I think the big question mark we're having right now with this Rangers team, and 
you know, it ever since the Kreider situation happened, obviously, with that blood clot, you know, they're probably thinking to themselves, what should they do? And I agree with you about Buchnevich. I mean, I mean, this is this is not an Alexei Kovalev situation where you you knew he had the talent and you let him play, but you know there the times he played for the Rangers when they drafted him and then they brought him back after trading him away, you know he just couldn't get it together. It just sounds like I, I don't know what the problem is with Vigneault with Buchnevich and and you know I'm not one of those that you know I'm on the coach's side or I'm on the player's side. I, I'm old school, I'm for the team, I'm for everyone, but we got to find out what is going on here, and Buchnevich really needs to play. He really has to play and allow him to grow. If it's a defensive situation, you know, listen, the NHL's already destroyed whatever the NHL was since Gary Bettman came into play. There's been barely any hitting. There's been barely any, you know, you know, fine, you know, fighting. There's no fighting anymore. You know, the goons have been basically taken out. Uh, there's no more goons in the in the league or anything like that. So if some people are wondering how come you're not getting a hit here or a hit there, you know, there is physical play, but it's not at that level we used to see back in the days. So that's why you're never going to see another, uh, you know, Mark Messier-type player or Adam Graves-type player. Dare I say it, a Sandy McCarthy-type player. But, you know, it, it's just one of those things that, you know, the NHL has phased out. So I remember Sandy McCarthy, and this may, again, I talked about this a little bit um, in my evidence-based argument story, but I think the way that I remember a lot of players as a kid is based off of, um, like, the way that it was presented to me by media members and by, like, newspapers. I feel like I remember Sandy McCarthy kind of being like a Dan Carcillo as in a right. useful enforcer. So not even an enforcer, a useful, tough guy. Um, right. I, and you know what? Here's the other caveat to that. I would say back when Sandy McCarthy was a New York Ranger, like you said, Dan, those players had value. Yeah. It was a different, it was a different game. Sandy McCarthy couldn't hang in the NHL now. I would argue that he was an important part of teams, even in the early you know, 2000s. The game really made their transition from – tough and gritty to um i guess speed and skill really post lockout and really only the past yeah. four or five years or so but let me ask you dan while i still have you because i have a funny feeling this thing is going to crap out this way i have more time not to answer mike's question although i already know what i'm going to say if you are jeff gordon do you buy or sell at this deadline yes you have to sell you're going to have to sell, and you're going to have to try to either bring in some solid young players over from other teams, or you're just going to have to upgrade the talent level uh, that's been, you know, that's out there. I mean, I don't know who you trade with. I mean, I don't know if you try to finesse maybe with the Canucks, maybe bringing over both Sedin brothers, if it's possible. Now, once again, oh, I'm only God. throwing those names. Out. I'm only throwing those names out there. I'm only throwing names out there because I don't I know what Gordon's going to do. But oh God. I'm well, only throwing problem, names. That's it? it. I'm not saying I'm, I'll, I would do it. I'm only throwing names out there just to see what the reaction would be. Because it here's feels the thing. Like such a Rangers move. Well, Mike, too, but Mike problem. is right because as as much as you may just bring up those names, that right. absolutely sounds like something the Rangers could do because I'm sure they're available. Vancouver is a mm-hmm. just uh, tire fire right now. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Uh, I'm sure players like that will be available. I mean, thank God Shane Doan retired that we could end those never-ending rumors about his interest in the Rangers or Aginla. I just that the whole idea behind that potentially being something that could happen. I don't even, I don't even have the words. Well, it would be such a then you can call me Kreskin, but I'm just throwing names out there, obviously. But here's the other question I have though. I mean, besides Letary, who seems to be a good player, uh, you know, I know they recalled him now, but you know, if you want to get rid of Holden, and I know Holden hasn't been that great. I mean, he's been a decent player, but he really hasn't been that great. I mean, do you call up someone like Pionk from Hartford or Heedle? You know, do they get their opportunities? Since, I mean, I bet, you know, Heedle had a good showing, I believe, in the World Juniors. Um, well, yeah, but he, you know, he had some good showing dinner. during preseason. I mean, you know, do you – and Pionk actually showed some pretty good stuff uh, during the preseason as well. He got the OT winner. Do you give those guys an opportunity – if you do trade away a Holden, because if the if you if you're Gordon, if you feel you know, well, who do I have in in Hartford right now that you know maybe can make a quick splash and then maybe move on into the next season, you know, do you bring them up and do you give them an opportunity at the roster for uh, you know if they do you know when they qualify for the playoffs? Uh, so Heedle's a forward; he wouldn't replace Holden, but the. I think well, I mean, you like, if you're going to trade Nash and Grabber, I'm saying, like, you know, if you're oh, going to call see, up Heedle as well. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. I think that would be the way to go. I, I mean, at this point, if you're not sure you're going to make a deep playoff run and the Rangers do go into sell mode, I think it, you're going to burn a year of Heedle's entry-level contract. But whatever, if you're going to give him the heavy lifting minutes, um, you know, then so be it. And, Jen, I'm already seeing this little light blinking. I'm going to let you go. But thank you for calling no in. Problem. You can all Thanks listen lot, to – uh, to his podcast, yeah, it's, uh, for it's your last name, right? Yep, Fire. When does that air? That's on Block Talk Radio, isn't it? Yes, it is on Block Talk Radio, Monday nights, 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific. Uh, Joe and I, of course, uh, different sports, but uh, same place, SB Nation, guys. So uh, go ahead, and if you want your Red Bull soccer, I'm your guy, and uh, go ahead and listen to the show. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for calling in, man. Thanks a lot, Joe. Take care, Mike. You too. Uh, the the point that I will make, I noticed. Well, you don't deserve one. Um, the point that I will make is if if you do trade a Holden away, um, I don't like you very much. You 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 give D'Angelo the opportunity. I mean, right now you could just slide Smith back in, and apparently everything's honky dory because Vigneault thinks that Camphor is an actual player. Um, Ryan Graves is get, there too. Why not Ryan well, Ryan Graves. Graves is there too. You get D'Angelo in, you get Pionk in. I mean, there's there's definitely there's options on the defensive side. Where and here's I'll finally answer your question since I've kind of beat around the bush. Um, yes, I would sell. I would absolutely sell. Uh, again, what about the pie not, thing? I'm not talking about like we're going to get to the pie thing in a minute. Not like over the top everybody sell, but selectively sell. Grabner, Holden, Nash for sure. Um, if you can find a taker for Smith and you don't think he's worth it, then just cut bait. I mean, oh, absolutely. I, if you, if the if organization is this low on Smith, right. just get rid of him because the worst yeah. thing you can do is pay a guy what you're paying him and not right. play him. I mean, I think Stahl has at least rekindled maybe some of his value to the NHL, where you could probably God. eat half his contract and keep him around and get rid of him. Um, and again, this summer I'm trading Ryan McDonough. Um, I'm fully aboard that train. 
right now. Um, I, yeah, come fight me. Um, well, but can you get McDonough? Can you get McDonough for more at the deadline, or more for McDonough on draft day, or you know, July first? So it's a tricky question. If you it are trading McDonough, question. if you're trading McDonough at the deadline, the pool of um, teams available are wider than it would normally be because McDonough, I think, would make a bunch of teams that are on the cusp contenders. Yeah, 4.7 on the cap, and there's the cap adjustment too. Right, and you're also getting him for another year. I think that if you train him over the summer, the benefit that you have is a lot of bad teams that want to make themselves playoff contenders can talk them into building around McDonough. And I think that's where he probably is going to have the most value where you mm. can go and say to Carolina or, you know, a Minnesota or whatever it may be. Minnesota Carolina doesn't need to But um, I'm just picking names. I should probably think about it a little bit. Um, but you can say to a team that maybe isn't very good, maybe a first round exit team who can sit down and give up a ton of assets for a player like Ryan McDonough and then rebuild their summer plans around that. However, I think that the Rangers could at this deadline, if they traded McDonough, it, it, like a Yandel deal, you get him for the playoffs and you get him next year. I think that's an enormous ace, ace in the hole. I really do. A team like um, Toronto becomes an instant Stanley Cup contender with Ryan McDonough on their lineup. So Go. the question is, what? McDonough for Pacioretty, straight up. Oh, God, how could you say no to getting Pacioretty here? Just throw your you players tell... away. Trade Lundquist with him, too. Why not? But you tell him, hey, you get to have him back. And then you get Pacioretty who apparently is on his way out in Montreal. So, Were you eh? seriously saying Pacioretty for McDonough? I was, kind of. Oh, I thought you were kidding. No, no way. Um, I don't move McDonough for anything other than, like, hot. Because here's the thing. If, what about if you're going to trade... No, no, see, even that's not enough to me. And maybe this is me being... here. I don't need... I, if I'm going to trade McDonough, I don't want a reclamation project. I don't want somebody over 25 who, you know, you want like Pacioretty is somebody that I, I have a funny feeling Gordon is going to try to become a buyer for at the deadline to help the Rangers playoff chances. If I'm trading McDonough, I want draft picks and I want top prospects, period. That's what I want. Uh, because well, Galchenyuk I, I want, is only 23, but he's not a prospect anymore. I'll give you that. And Galchenyuk is, I mean, look, he's a player that I definitely want the Rangers to go after. I'm just not sure Ryan McDonough is where I would want that to happen. Um, because again, you have a guy that's sort of, and I am absolutely all about the, it's nonsense when a guy's not being given the opportunities that he should have. I think Galchenyuk is being utilized kind of like Buchnevich. He's somebody who can, I think, make a difference, but yeah, I, I, I want, I want more futures for McDonough. Tell me um, what you want, Joe. I don't know yet. I mean, if I'm training him to uh, some of the, I was reaching out to Scott Wheeler a couple of months ago, just about when we were just spitballing um, a potential trade of McDonough, just to kind of 
you know, I just asked him, he's, he used to write for, he used to run pension plan puppets. He works for the athletic right now. Um, and I asked him, you know, if the Rangers were to sell McDonough, what do you think Toronto would be willing to part with? And, and he said, other than Anderson and Matthews, um, he just said players like Marner, Nylander, JVR, everybody would be available except for Matthews and Anderson. And if you can get a guy like Mitch Marner or um, yeah, or sign Nylander, for Mitch Marner. I, I, I mean, all day, millions, but all day, every day. I See, I would, I would think Marner. I would rather have Marner than Nylander, but um, that may just be me. Yeah, but I'm a huge, I'm a huge Nylander fan. Who doesn't like? I Nylander? definitely have. Have you seen the boy's hair? His eyes, his soft skin. So, yeah, I, I'm just. All I'm saying is that if I'm moving McDonough, I, I'm moving him for futures. I'm not doing it for – I don't want a reclamation unless it's like uh, – I can't even think of an example right now. But I, I need just on the up and up, this is a, a caliber player that you're not going to get anywhere. Let's go. Um, now, back to you. looks great in Moonlight, don't you think? With, with you like read a... Apple Pie for the first time. How was it? Oh. A full moon and William Nylander beneath it. That sounds good to me. Uh, Is this about the pie? The pie? Yeah, pie. pie. is pretty good. I still prefer cake, but pie is pretty good. Cake, cake segregates its flavors. Not always. It always. Cheesecake is basically pie. Pie is just. Uh, you know what, what? Pie has going for it is it's warm. I like that pie is served warm. Uh, pie smells better than cake all the Correct. time. Uh, pie is crunchy cake, and fruity. Cake is and... watered down, I think, because you have cake so often, whereas pie is more of a uh, kind of seasonal thing. It's normally a large event is happening, whereas you could be at like an office party and get some cake because it's Larry's birthday in accounting. And no one gives a shit about Larry, but hey, you're getting cake. Yeah, they but want pie, the cake. Pie, you're almost always surrounded by people you like and you love. Um, it's very rare that, unless you're getting like, you know, a McDonald's apple pie, which is really, you're just hurting yourself. And that's not nice to do. So yeah, I, I'm not like, like adamantly pro pie now, but... I'm starting to understand what it's all about. I do love the smell of a good pie, especially when cinnamon's involved and brown sugar. But yeah, p- nothing wrong with pie. It's not cake, but it's pretty good. It's so much better than cake. Give me a crisp, apple crisp, blueberry crisp, peach cobbler, blueberry cobbler, apple cobbler. Give me anything with like the buttery, sugary. I like the word um, cobbler crispy top and i am all about that you put a little dollop hey, of whipped cream some ice cream Ugh, yes how do you i have two i have two questions for you you're not going to like either one the first being you know how there are people called like uh cooper and uh and baker like people that's their surname why don't we see people with the with the last name cobbler which is one who makes shoes I don't have an answer to that question. It's a good question. I feel like Smith. You see Smith's goddamn everywhere. There's oh. Smiths all over the place. 
Brendan, you know. However, that's true. You don't see you don't see like oh that's Gary Gary Cobbler. You know hmm. you don't you don't find there's not a lot of cobblers. Maybe there's a different name for shoesies or. You know what? I don't think shoes were very in vogue back in medieval times. People wearing those stupid leather shoes. Okay, Especially that's the first like question. Peasant folk. What oh, is your... the second question <laughs> is why the hell are so many types of pie called cobbler when they have nothing to do with shoes? Well, because cobbler is a type of pie. What, what distinguishes it from other pies? What separates it? So a cobbler... A cobbler has like a um, like a crumb topping. A peach oh, cobbler. I, can get, I, I like that. I like yes, it has like a it has a, a crumb, almost like a crumb cake, but it's a little bit more dense um, and a little bit more moist. I know everybody loves that word moist, um, and it's just it's so it's not even like a cobbler doesn't even really have a pie crust on it. And the top is just that, like, it's just that it's baked usually in sort of a Tupperware pan, and it's just the filling, and Tupperware. then the top is like like a glass Tupperware pan. Um, and then you just put the filling in, like a blueberry filling or whatever it is. Sure, glassware, whatever. Um, and then father it, now. You have to know things. But not yet, because she's not asking questions. A crisp is a pie with a pie bottom and the filling and then a crispy, crunchy crumb topping. Um, and then a regular pie just as the pie bottom and a regular pie top. So, Where do muffins rank in all this? Because I do love a muffin. A muffin feels so, like a poor man's pie. I'm a, I'm a big supporter of muffins for breakfast, specifically a blueberry crumb muffin for breakfast. Oh, yeah, that's where I live, too. Blueberry um, with, like, sugary crumblies on top. That's all I want yeah. in life. That could be a pie, a blueberry, a blueberry crumb. My God, Mike, we have so much pie to eat together. It's gonna be, it's gonna be like a sugar rushed diabetic wonderland, but it's gonna happen. Um, yeah, that. Um, uh, but muffins are. I don't want to do a muffin for lunch or dinner. I can't eat a muffin after mm, ten o'clock. Once ten a.m. rolls around, I'm out for I muffins. I understand don't, that. Don't bring me a muffin. Uh, if you bring a, if you put like a brand muffin by me, I'm gonna stomp the shit out of it. Uh, I just, uh, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not here for that. I'm here for like blueberry muffins, um, corn muffins. Corn muffins are the one exception. You could do a corn muffin. You could corn do for muffin. lunch or dinner. Yeah. Why but... are you eating corn muffins? They have no Corn character. muffins are good. You put some no butter on that bad boy, toast it up. You put blueberry muffins are the better. Yeah, you put, and it's amazing. Have you seen Have you seen the people who who put butter on steak? Well, yeah, you 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 baste it in the butter. Yeah, but when it arrives at your plate in a restaurant, they put oh, a little, they put like, the butter on the top. Yeah, yeah, that's fancy. The first right time there. that happened to me, I was like, "What the hell is this all about?" And then I ate it. And I was like, "Oh, I get it." Yeah, of course you can't. You could literally put like a pile of dog poop in front of me, and if it has butter on it, I'm gonna think about it. Yeah, I'll at least yeah. think about it. If it's being served to me, there a way I can, huh. I can get the butter off of this poop. And then only eat the poop. Or no, only eat the butter. No, only eat the butter. Poop. 
Yeah, it's okay. Let's see. Soup. But you've you've cultured yourself. You've eaten some pie. Um, yeah. We'll have to get Greg and Ryan back on now that Ryan knows who you are, so we could discuss the deliciousness of pie. Now that he bothers to know who I am, sure. No, yeah, you're right. You know what? Screw that son of a bitch. Doesn't know who Mike is. That's ridiculous. I had sushi for the first time recently too. Oh, what kind of sushi? I had uh, asparagus wraps, and That's I think sushi. I tried. Well, I wasn't done talking, you son of a bitch. Well, why and did you start with I the asparagus? Tried because that was the thing I had more of, Joe. I was going from high in quantity to low in quantity, and I tried a little bit of salmon. Okay, what kind of roll? Salmon. Just as a seaweed roll. I don't know. I don't know anything about sushi. Here we go. I know that it's popular in the in the island nation of Japan, which was once ruled by Daimos, warring Daimos. I know that. Do you know about Admiral Yamamoto? Do you know about these things? I do not. I just know different things than you. That's all. I guess. Kind of a bitch. (laughs) You you know very useful things. It appears. You know about eating like. Like food from carts in the city, like sweaty. Uh, I had shawarma the other day, by the way, and it was absolutely outrageous. I don't want my meat to be sweaty. Don't want my meat to sweat. It's not sweaty. It's deliciously basted in its own juices. That's glistening. That's sweat. So I'm sweating. I think I'm glistening in my own. Yeah. The the more moist something is, the less interested I am in it. Oh my god! So soup? You're not into soup? No, that's different. You asked. No, it is not the different soup because is, soup, the is, soup moist. is practically liquid. It's supposed oh to be. Oh my god! Moist. So exactly. So then that should be a hundred percent of something you don't Although, want. Although I prefer a stew, which is less moist than a soup. All right, you ready? Fine. You you want you want to play this goddamn game? Let's play this goddamn game. What happens when you heat up butter? Right. Delicious, delicious butter. Checkmate. Every, everyone knows Checkmate. that butter is different. I've, we yeah, literally yeah, just absolutely. said we could eat butter off of dog shit. It's different. Well, that's too damn bad. Uh, I've won the battle. Checkmate. This is me and the shootout. butter is not a meal unto itself. You cannot just it could eat be. butter. Butter is a condom. I don't, you could I'm eat not butter broken for and checkmated because ketchup is wet. That's not fair. That's oh my God! Ketchup is another fantastic op- Ketchup is another perfect example. No, I just said how it's not a good example. You said it. <laughs> no, you brought it up that it was an amazing example. You you incriminated yourself in court. But ket, do you like ketchup? Wet. Ketchup is wet. In small quantities. Too much ketchup Ke- is bad. Too much butter is bad. Okay, Less you know what, sir. Well, you've been disproven. I have won. Checkmate. See, you start life as a child, and then your your diet is all liquid. And then eventually you eat, like, mushed up applesauce, like uh, like peaches that are all mushed up. You eat stuff that's easy to, to digest. And then when, when, you've, when you've ascended into, like, a functioning organism that, you know, you you can literally support the weight of your own head with your neck, which which babies cannot do. When you've reached that point, you start eating solid food, and you leave wetness behind you. You become a more dry being. You consume dry things. 
Mind you, that there's nothing wrong with like uh, things that are tender and that have liquid within them, but they cannot be sopping wet, Joe. They cannot glisten. You just, so like when soup, you bite into a glistens. burger, you don't want like that thing to run down, you know, like the palm of your hand, and like it goes down towards your elbow. That that gr- grease dribble. No one wants that. Yeah, but you don't want it running down your arm like you're some kind of goddamn werewolf. I can't even uh, – that's exactly what I want. That is exactly what I want. I want so much juice that it, that people are concerned about the amount of juice that is on my body while I'm eating a burger. In public you want this? I mean I, I, I could be juiced up whenever. <laughs> I could be juiced. <laughs> I just juice me up right now. I'm juiced right now. I am juiced and ready to Lather go. Lather you up and juice? So you don't even like syrup. So you, syrup isn't your thing? You, you, I'll put syrup on pancakes and waffles, but no, I don't want to. Syrup is definitely, even when ice you cream, close the top of a syrup thing. Ice cream slightly melted. Ice cream that's nice and soft. That's not your thing? I like soft ice cream, but that's not dribbly. You don't it want glistens. things that dribble. Hollandaise sauce? I've disproven you in many ways. I, I, I apologize I for embarrassing sauce. you. No. I've embarrassed you no. the way that I have on the radio and... I don't, you don't want things uh, that burst when you eat into them. You, you well, don't want all your food to be strawberry bursts. Gushers are you, delicious. You can't they even burst. name. You literally couldn't even name real candies right there. You named like fruit burst and strawberry burst. No, not no. I'm talking actual strawberry. Strawberry. Strawberries burst yeah, but in your mouth. That's a controlled burst. Uh, what are you? What are no, you talking about? What, what are you putting burst. in your mouth that's uncontrollably bursting? Nothing, because I make Can a point not to. Can you even answer that question live on the radio? I just did. You bastard. Well, <laughs> here, I'm, I'm just going to say, I think we've had a wonderful debate, but checkmate. Macaroni and grapes. cheese? Grapes are, no, macaroni and cheese is, again, that's a good one. I will say, of all the things you brought up, because that's gooey. That's not wet. It is gooey and but glistening. It, has, it does glisten. It needs to melt down onto itself. Yeah, I do have you here. But it, I have one. Not, it's not wet, and you don't eat it. You eat it with a fork at least, because no self God, this must be. Person would you eat, eat it with a spoon. God, this you is what Hagler must feel like. <laughs> this is what Hagler must feel like when he lifts the cup. What the hell eats mac and cheese with a spoon? This, this absolute feeling of victory as I just dominate my opponents. Uh. Any of you out there eat mac and cheese with a spoon? Uh, let me know. I can block you on all forms of social media. I have 100% eaten mac and cheese with a spoon before. In fact, I would say more often than not, I do. What the hell are you talking about? Because I, I like the ab- are we because I like, like the ability to scoop it up. Because you're right, it is gooey. Like, I, what am I going to fork through it? Yeah, I use fork for- little shapes like little Darth Vader shapes. You pop the fork right through that son of a bitch, right through his ocular cavity. <laughs> yeah, but why, why are you going to do something like that when you can just lift it up with a spoon and get it into your mouth easier? Because the fork easier? is superior to all other, all other utensils, Joe. We've been over this. The fork we, is... So I do agree with you. The, the fork you could use as a knife, a spoon, and a fork. It does its <laughs> own job and all the other jobs relatively well. It's damn good. Well, then good. I will and tell you that if I use a God fork for macaroni and cheese, I use it like a spoon. You don't so there, stab. There you go. I don't Wait, stab. Don't I very stab. rarely stab. With what a about fork. when it's like legit mac and cheese? You know where it has the crumblies on top, 
And no, you that know, you need it, to, it's not that like you need a fork for that. You can't do with a spoon. Yeah, but that's that's the sort of mac and cheese I'm talking about. I'm not talking about like Kraft mac and cheese, which is, you know, it's orange. It's just one. It's it's monocolored. It's just that horrible orange that shouldn't exist. Real mac and cheese has like a, a cornucopia of colors. A, a wide. I, I would range. agree with that. All right, so we've we've come to some form of a tense truce on this, at least. But I did win with the mac and cheese. That was brilliant. It was when a stroke was the of brilliance. What was the last season that Sandy McCarthy played for the New York Rangers? I'm going to say 2001. 2003-04. Mm-hmm. But you know what? You're you're close enough. I still respect your guess. I knew it was up. I didn't know it was up to the lockout, but I knew it was around the lockout. Yeah, he started the season in Boston, and then the Rangers apparently traded to get him back. Well, that and that was his second or third stint with the Rangers, too, wasn't it? Yeah, that was that was the second stint with the Rangers. I I see, but this is what I'm talking about, and I mentioned this in in my story too. I remember Nick Zherdev as not being a very good player, and apparently he was like an elite player for the Rangers based off of the, the I, data. That I we remember him as being today. One-dimensional and exciting. That's how I remember Zerdev. One-dimensional and exciting. I mean, it's just like McCarthy. I remember McCarthy as being like a necessary force. And again, it's difficult to um, to jump over the barrier of an evolving game because you are you are jumping back to a time when you could beat the shit out of people on the ice without it being a penalty. Um, yeah, it was just this a is the hundred seventy penalty minute era. Sandy yeah, McCarthy, it was, two straight it was just a different game back then. Um, you know, a guy like Sandy McCarthy would never, he, he wouldn't even, I don't even think he would exist in like the AHL more often than not. I mean, I could be wrong about that, I guess, but yeah, I'm just. Well, the AHL definitely has a meaner streak recently. I saw that documentary on Netflix, Ice Guardians, where like, uh, remember Brian McGratton? I do. He's still, He's still around or was still around in the AHL really? recently. Like, yeah, and like, and Stu, that's where Stu Bickle is. You know, it's a uh, Stu like, Bickle in order to playing? sell. Yeah, I think so. At least he was at the time of that documentary, which I think was 2016. But I'll check the Stu Bickle thing right now for sure. Um, um, yeah, he, Stu Bickle, San Diego goals, uh, four really? games this season. I also I also know that he got a big suspension this season, so. Um, but yeah, that like the AHL just is a lot. Jesus Christ. Three years ago, Stu Bickle, 59 games, San Diego goals, 210 penalty minutes. Yeah. That is a man who knows why he's on the ice. Yeah. But I think that's uh, just more of a, more of a necessity in the AHL, that aspect of the game. Cause it, it if nothing else, folks, it sells tickets, right? So. Well, right. And, and they desperately need, they desperately need that type of a, you know, that, that type of a monetary investment, because I can't imagine many people are going there for, uh, for anything else. But yeah, that's uh, well, it's tough. Cause when you're at a game like that, it's like, Oh, this is my favorite player on the team. Why? Because he's very good. Guess what? He won't be there long. He'll either, you right. know, he'll either end up in the NHL or go to another AHL team. Who's willing to pay him more. Yeah. You know, that's kind of the way the AHL works. It's hard. It's a hard life. It's like being a like being a, a fan of a college hockey team, but you don't have the same loyalty level. It's it's very tricky. But I would even argue that very it, 
that a college hockey team, you at least know what you're getting. You yeah, that's, know what you're that's, getting. that's a good point. You're still dumb as dog shit about the whole glistening food thing, but you did make a good point there. Also, I, the article I you, you wrote that you mentioned earlier was great. I really liked what you wrote. Well, thank you, Michael. Do you hear my daughter crying in the background? Aww. Um, yeah, this this seems as good a time as any now that Mike and I are friends again. He knows her father even, is not very bright. Even though I thoroughly dominated him in the terms of Setting moist sweetheart. food. Um, you don't want wet food, folks. You don't want wet food. You do. You, do. you want your food wet. Four to um, nine times out of 50, you want dry food. Dig deep BSB on Twitter. You can also find Mike at other things like the Founding Four podcast, which is about the uh, NWHL. And Mike is writing what? I said the end dubs as uh, the yeah. members of the NWHL media call it, which I've, I've right. grown to adopt. I like, I like saying the end dubs. I kind of like it too. Uh, go ahead. Just, just plug yourself. Do your own thing. Oh, uh, you can read me at Sporting News and the Ice Garden and at Fan Rag Sports. And also, of course, at Blue Shirt Bam Blah Blah Blah. blah, blah, blah. Why, was, why was Blue Shirt Panther last? Um, it's it in my goddamn first. Twitter handle. You, do you really need, do, do I, you want me to change my legal name? Is that what you need from me? I mean, that would also be appreciated. Um, you can find me at Joe Fortunato BSP. You can find my writing on Blue Shirt Banter. Although, to oh. be fair, that is the only place that you can find my writing. So, um, all right. I love you all. I love Mike Moore. Oh, oof. Hang on a minute. Harry's.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. Get your ass in there Whoa! and you can get a free trial just at the paper shipping and handling. And, um, we were we had three people who signed up. If we get seven more, I will eat the shaving cream. Don't you want me to will eat you do the shaving cream? In front of your cream? daughter? Can you do it in well, front yeah, of your daughter? It. She's too young to know what's happening. That's what I uh, Patreon, patreon.com slash blue shirt banter. Uh, we've discussed this before. We are attempting to keep the show free, all facets of the show free. Um, some of the other rival Rangers podcasts, some of which are very good. Um, some of which are not good, but whatever. Um, some of them that have had more oh. successful opportunities uh, through Patreon, they don't have a website. It's impossible for us to add extra coverage about the Rangers as patron only because we have a website that we run for free for all of you. So um, if you like the website or you just want to help out or you want to make sure that this show stays free and that you can listen to me and Mike talk about how stupid his food opinions are, Patreon.com slash Blue Shirt Banter. If you donate $5 or more a month, you will get access to our behind-the-scenes patron-only content that we really haven't done the past few weeks because I have a child and Mike was in Canada. But uh, we can just blame Mike and just move on from that. So, um, yeah, things should be – You don't know. You couldn't. He has a child right now. You just don't know about it. But you do now because I told you. Um, Anthony Viola, John J. Porter, John Reppy, Johnny Alo, Alex Gardner, Eric Cohn, Alexander Ricard, Andrew Chicagoff. Chicagoff? Andrew. This, this, Chicagoff. And, uh, it's not Andrew. It's Andre. It's Andre Chicagoff. Um, this is the third episode that I've asked you to tell me how to say your last name on Twitter. 
do it before Mike fights you. Um, Daniel DeJan, Matt Bader, George Lippin, guy from Montana, Andrew Grigo, Stink Fleeman, Dan Lynch, Mike Offit, Trevor Kempna, Gabriel Vargas, Dan Carozzi, David L. Singer. What? You said Kempna, not Kempner. Kempner. I said Kempner. You did not say Kempner. And it's recorded live, Joe. That you remembered his name. Like enough to correct me, I think is impressive. Um, who I care about these people. Do you care? You do. I care I about them do. more than you do. I care about Tell their... that to Andrew Chicago, apparently. It's not. See, you didn't even get it right. You made up a patron, Andre. Don't even listen to him. He's being a bitch. I made um, fun of you making his name wrong, you dolt. <laughs> Dan Kurosi, David L. Singer, Arch Williams, Bob Kawa, Scott Potash, Darwin Bushman. James Dangles, what a great name. James Dangles. James Dangles. Alexander Thornton, Grumpy Smokey, Igor Zatlovsky, Thomas Osa, Chris B., and Michael Silvers. Who was in our chat today, by the way? Um, Russ Vent and David Bard. Uh, you guys did not give $5, but you also did not give $1. See, David Bard. Bard so, is, is someone who sings and performs in like bars and taverns. That's another one of those names. Why don't we yeah. see cobblers, ladies and gentlemen? Because of your face. What about, why don't we see haberdashers? Those are one who makes a hat. Those who oh make hats. This is, this is what happens when you don't eat pie until you're an adult. Right here. Were people just and called you, like wet nurse? Like, what? why don't we see people with the last name wet nurse or midwife? Do people get called I mean, midwife? People, yeah, like, I, is there a yeah. Sarah midwife? There could be, I guess. Those people are probably weaned out. I mean. Hey, Joe, you know why, uh, why we don't see wet nurses anymore? Because people don't like things to be wet. Good night, folks. That, but that, that's the worst point you've ever made. You just it talked about how you love mac and cheese glistening. Soda is no, wet and it's delicious. I, I like, Water is wet and it is soda. critical checkmate. for life. Checkmate. Yeah, that is checkmate. Water is also smart enough to come in three forms. Only form of life existence in water, in wetness. Bullshit. Liquid. That's bullshit. Goodbye. Good night, Things all. that live in mist, I'm pretty sure. Mist things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fucking spirits and, like, ghosts. <laughs> Vapor things. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> just these vapor creatures. Listen, you made a lot of good points. Uh, I, I'm just trying to think of. I'm just gonna go eat like granola or the driest things I can think of at a yeah, spike. Yeah, go 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 pound some sand, and you'll start to see those like vapor animals that you're talking about there. All right, goodbye. Go be everybody. a father to your daughter. How's that? How's that grab you? Checkmate. Son of a bitch. Checkmate. I love you. I love you too. Goodbye, everyone. All right, goodbye.